Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Darby Veneer about the power of past experience to current and future success. Darby Veneer, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I appreciate being here, Jonathan. It's great to be with you. It's a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the power of past experience to current and future success. Of course, the best indicator of future success is past success, but we're all works in progress. We're all trying to learn and grow constantly. We're trying to reskill and upskill our competencies and capabilities. And so uh, it's, it's a matter of, of leveraging opportunity for growth and learning um, so that we can drive future success for ourselves and our personal lives at work, as well as for our teams, for our organizations. So this is what we'll be discussing and unpacking together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Darby's bio with everybody. Darby Veneer has over 20 years of experience in leadership development and strategic consulting. He has led effective teams of more than 100 employees, coached others into their own leadership positions, and created stability during challenging organizational transitions. Darby built his career on the philosophy that developing the right people is the key to success. And I completely agree with that philosophy. Uh, Again, it's a pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in further? Yeah, no, I mean, I think we're going to get into some of it. Um, I mean, I've kind of had a pretty diverse career. I've spanned the the gamut of retail management, nonprofit management, and professional services uh, organizations as well. So we'll talk about some of that, I think, as we get into it. So why don't we start by just exploring this idea of past experience, how we can leverage that? Because again, we all have pain points, we all have trauma, we all have challenges, disappointment, you know, the difficulties um, that are just a part, part and parcel with life and the human condition. Uh, and so, you know, building upon the, the pain and the trauma is, is one way of looking at past experience. Um, but then there's also when things go really well, and sometimes we have tremendous success. Uh, and then it's about how do we build off of that success? How do we leverage that success to be get more success? And it's always interesting to me. I, I'm fascinated by two types of uh, narrative arcs and stories of, of successful people. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by the person who has just really struggled uh, and, and they've overcome challenges and trauma and all sorts of things to really just make something amazing out of their life and be impactful. Um, 
to those around them and in the workplace. I'm, I'm just fascinated by those types of individuals and those types of leaders. I'm also really fascinated by those who just have incredible amount of talent. They're like prodigies. Everyone expects super high things from them. They have super early career success. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's corporate or whatever. And then for whatever reason, it doesn't work off. They work out. They just kind of fall off a cliff and you never hear from them again. And you, you, you find out later that they, they've just had setback after setback. And, and it's, it's fascinating. It's heartbreaking um, to see people go through that. And then I guess you have the third type, and that's those who come from privilege, those who have a ton of talent, natural innate talent, who then build off of that to leverage, you know, this, this rocket ship career to just do amazing things. And I guess you have all different types of people across the spectrum of all those three kind of archetypes, um, each of which are super interesting, each of which, you know, demonstrate a different kind of past and how we're going to build upon it. Um, so why don't we start there and just what, what, how do you make sense of this idea of the power of past experience, you know, to informing current and future success? Yeah. So I think you covered it really well, John. Um, if you think about that, um, first off, I'm going to say, and you alluded to it, the thing behind all of this is, is we all have our own stuff going on in our lives. So the people you work with, the employees that you have underneath you, your coworkers, your bosses, everybody you interact every day has their own crap going on in their lives. Stuff that you don't know about, that you'll never know about, no matter how well you know somebody, there's always something else going on in their lives, whether it's positive or negative. Um, so there's lots of things that impact people. Um, and when I talk to individuals and I coach um, young leaders in particular, um, and we talk about past experience, it's something that affects all of us that most people don't really realize unless they really sit down and think about it. And as you alluded to, it can be something negative in your past or something positive in your past, and either can affect you positively or negatively. So let me give you an example of this from my own career, and it's something that I talk about in my book. Um, and that is when I started my career, I started with um, working at a, a 22 screen movie theater, an AMC movie theater in Kansas City. Um, so brand new to my career, new into my position. Um, and part of one of your duties as a manager, because this was a huge theater, so there was several managers, but part of your duties were as you were a closing manager, um, after you do all your business part, your managerial stuff, um, you have to make sure everything else is done, obviously. Well, on Thursday nights, this is in the day before digital movies. So on Thursdays, they would deliver the new movies for the next week that were opening on the following Friday. And they would come on like six or eight small reels of film. And basically the projectionist would have to take those six reels and go through a process called building up where they actually splice all those together into one giant reel that sits on this big platter. It's like a big plate. Um, and they had to do that with all of the movies. And then all the movies that were leaving, they had to do the reverse of that. So take them apart, put them back on their individual reels and put them in the cans to go. So a lot of managers would just finish their duties and just wait around for the projectionist. But I always went and helped because I trained in all of the areas and I couldn't leave until they were finished. So I figured I would always help. So <laughs> I always went out and helped. So at two or two 30 in the morning, when I finished all of my duties on Thursday night, I went and I was helping this projectionist. And so I'm tearing down one of these movie prints and, um, 
basically you you take the film and, and you put it on the small reel and there's a dial that you can turn that you can speed up and slow down how fast it winds back onto the reels and so it's the, the big platter is spinning and it's going onto the reels well the movie prints held into the platter with this metal ring that has pegs and evidently this night uh, this morning <laughs> That ring must not have had the pegs down into the platter because I spun this thing up and I was going to get done quickly and it was flying along and all at once I saw this whole movie print just fly off like off into the projection booth and if you have those moments in your life where it's slow motion that's what it was like you're like ah So here I am staring at this movie print on the floor and it's not something that you can just pick back up and put on and start over. If you think about like a 2000 or 3000 foot extension cord then you just jumble it all up and throw it on the ground or your Christmas lights when you're trying to untangle them, that's kind of what it's like. So I spent the next, I don't know, four or five, six hours pulling strands of film out of this and cutting it and unknotting un the next piece and splicing that back together and pulling more out. By the time I was done, I had literally hundreds and hundreds of splices in this movie print that was gonna be sent back. And I, I was sure that I was gonna be fired. Um, so at like seven or 7.30 in the morning, I got done with this and I went home and I showered and I came immediately back because my managing director was going to be in at nine. And I stood outside of his office, looking at his office door like, OK, this is it. This is the end of your career here. This is a great start to it, to your career. And I went in and I explained the whole thing to him. And he looked at me and he said, Darby, you know, I appreciate you coming in and telling me. Um, looks like, you know, you're tired and you have to be back in tonight. So go home and get some rest. And that was it. Um, and basically what it came down to is, is that he knew that I did everything that I could do. Um, and uh, he, he knew that I was stressed out. He wasn't going to make it any worse. Um, and there's nothing else that could be done, even though I am quite sure that I probably cost the theater thousands of dollars because I'm sure we had to pay for this. Um, it didn't turn out how I thought it was going to turn out. I, I obviously made it worse in my mind. Um, and here's the other thing about it. This, this is the other, not just the power of that experience, which I'm going to get into, but also the power of moments that you as a leader may think are insignificant, because I have no clue, but to him, he may not even remember this story, this managing director. He may not even remember. It may have been totally insignificant to him, but to me, it was hugely significant so we as leaders have to remember that everything we do is being looked at in a different way, that something you think may not be important may be very important to somebody else. But what that um, interaction did for me was it changed the entire way that I have led throughout my entire career. Because guess what? As I have led people and managed people and had them mess up because everybody messes up, you know how I have um, managed that situation? exactly the same way. I don't get too excited about things. I want to know what they did to fix it or what we're going to do to fix it, and how we move forward. I can't change the past. So let's talk about and go forward. Now, 
we're going to have a discussion about how it happened and how you make sure that it doesn't happen again. And obviously, I don't want you to make that mistake too many times in a row. Um, but I'm not going to punish you for a single mistake. And I know like I've had people standing on the other side of my desk in the way I did when I was that young kid. And they were looking at me the same way, like, holy crap, I am totally fired. And I know that's what they're thinking. But the cool thing is, is I'm able to actually tell this story, which I have actually told several times to different people that have worked for me in my career. And, and this is a perfect example. So the things that we have to think about, even the ones that are insignificant or you may think are insignificant to you, they do affect your whole life, your personal life and your professional life. So our experiences affect how we think and how we think affects how we act and how we act affects how we actually get results and succeed in life or don't succeed in life. Um, so you can use a very negative experience, which for me at that point, that was a very negative experience at the time to create a positive in the future. But you also have to be careful because you can also use negative or positive experiences and actually turn it into a negative later. So those are things you have to think about as well. Yeah, thank you for that experience and that story. And it could have just as easily gone the other direction to impact <laughs> you, right? It, exactly. You could have been chewed out and screamed at, and maybe it's not your personality to ever be like that yourself in the future. But you know, I, I see a lot of leaders who don't really know much about leadership. They just find themselves in a role. And what do they tend to do if they haven't you know, really been developed or trained into how to be a good leader, they tend to model, they, they tend to replicate what they've seen modeled to them in the past. And so even if your natural inclination would not be to be that kind of a, uh, of a leader who chewed people out and screamed at them for messing up, if that's how you've experienced it um, at, at influential periods in your life, chances are you're going to do that at least some, at least a, a bit more than what your natural inclination might be. And ultimately, it perpetuates this negative cycle. And so uh, your, your boss handled it calmly, recognized your intentions were good, your efforts were there, you did everything you could to make it right, you were honest, you owned up to the mistake, like all those things are really positive characteristics and attributes. So your boss could recognize that give you the benefit of the doubt, um, you know, recognize this is going to be a learning experience for you. And then that positively influences you as you carry on in your life to build off of this one mistake that was a learning opportunity to then do things better in the future. And if you've been chewed out, you know, you lose the job, you go on, you find something else, you live your life. Um, but it, that negative taste in your mouth is going to stay a long time. And, and chances are it's going to have ways of influencing you in the future, even unconscious ways that you're not fully aware of. Uh, so that, that's a really, really great example. And again, we, we as leaders just need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to, to recognize the value that our people are bringing to the table, uh, to not jump down their throats when something happens. Everyone makes mistakes. Um, you may have cost the, the movie theater thousands of dollars that day. You know what? Lots of people have cost businesses lots of money and, and every, people just make mistakes all the time. And so, you know, it, it's part of the cost of doing business. And so you, you can throw people under the bus uh, or you can try to use it as a developmental opportunity. And it, in your experience was a, 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 that positive side. Yeah, one of the important things as, as leaders, as we coach other folks too, is to help them when they have interactions. I'm oftentimes find myself when individuals are having those negative interactions of saying, well, how do you think it should have been handled? 
so that they think about how they would have dealt with it differently. So they hopefully don't perpetuate that same leadership style later. So they take the negative and turn it into a positive. Um, I use another example. When I was in high school, one of my first jobs, I worked at a pizzeria in a small town that I um, lived in. And I got sick at school, like sick, had to go to the bathroom sick. Um, and essentially, I, I called um, my manager because I had to work that evening at the pizzeria after work. And I said, hey, I'm going home sick. Like I threw up in the bathroom. Um, I'm not going to be able to come in tonight. And they basically said, either find someone to work or come to work sick. And I said, I, it's the middle of the school day. Like all the other kids are in, that work are in class. I can't find somebody to work. And they said, well, you either come to work sick then or you're fired. And I said, I guess I'm fired then. And, and that was that. And I use that negative then as a positive um, later in life because I looked at that and said, I don't want to be that. And that was important to me. But here's the thing about that. I only knew that because of other positive interactions I had had with other folks that I had worked with throughout my career and obviously my parents and, um, and that sort of thing as well. If we don't have those interactions, then it's, it's important that um, we as leaders help those individuals because they may not have a lot of positive interactions. Um, again, you don't know their situation. Um, also, I use that as an opportunity to just encourage everybody to have as many, find as many mentors and as many um, folks that you can surround yourself with as possible, because some of them, as you said, John, are not going to be that great in some situations. So you want to have a very diverse group of folks that you can surround yourself with so that you hopefully get some um, experiences on both sides to help you grow. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy, courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think.
yeah, I have a similar experience, a uh, teenage job, like, you know, other than a paper out my first real job. And, uh, you know, my, it was an interesting place. My, my boss was young, you know, I, I'm sure well-meaning, well-intentioned, but um, the situation was my brother was getting married. So I was going to go to my brother's wedding <laughs> and, and I requested it off a couple weeks in advance, kind of followed all the normal protocols. They scheduled me anyways. Um, so then I, I just told them I can't do it. They said, get someone to cover you. Uh, I, I find someone to cover me. They end up flaking and not showing up. And so then they end up firing me for not showing up to work. So I literally get fired from my first real job for going to my brother's wedding. And, you know, I, to this day, I'm flabbergasted by this and, and it, it just kind of blows me away. And how dumb, how dumb of them to do that. Um, it's, you know, I'm 43. This was when I was like 15 or 16. Right. So like, this is stuck <laughs> with me, but it's definitely informed how I approach other people and just, you know, recognizing people have lives outside of work, especially a crappy, you know, I think at the time I made like four bucks an hour, you know, right. it's like a crappy minimum wage teenage job. Like, you know, people have jobs and li or lives outside of work. We need to honor that. We need to be as accommodating as we can. We need to be as understanding as we can. And in my case, I'd actually done everything the right way. It just didn't, you know, it just didn't work out. And I ended up getting thrown under the bus for it. So let's, you know, let's look for opportunities to give people, be generous towards people, give people the benefit of the, of the doubt with these past experiences. So all of these are, I think, great examples. Um, I know you do also, you talk a lot about the power of habit building. So past experience in the form of habit that can then lead to current successes and future successes. Maybe talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we use habits in our lives all the time. Again, it's kind of the same scenario. We don't realize how much we actually do unless it's pointed out to us. I mean, if you just think about when you get ready in the morning or when I get, leave to go to work, like first off your your routine in the morning when you're getting ready and showering and everything I guarantee you it's the same routine but when I when I go to work I exit my my back door that goes into the garage I turn around this happens every day I turn around every day I shut the door I push the garage door opener um, with my left hand I go down the stairs I get in my car um I push the, the button because I have push button start on my car to start my car as I'm pushing the garage door opener. Um, if it's not already open, usually I, again, I've already opened it. Sometimes the music will come on, which means my wife was driving my car the night before. So I grumble and shut the music off because I don't listen to music in the morning. So, <laughs> um, but you put the car in reverse and back out. And I, before I clear the garage, I have my hand up on my visor on the, the remote for the garage door opener. And I'm pushing the button as after I clear the garage and I back out and, and I leave. So I go through those same interactions every single day, but I don't realize, I mean, I don't think about that I do it, but I do it in the exact same order in the exact same time, exact same hands every single time. Well, th the reason for that is, is that our brains just cannot um, deal with all of the tasks that we do. So they create essentially programs um, that execute. And sometimes if the program has to change, I know you've encountered this, certainly um, your listeners and viewers have probably encountered it. If you change jobs or your office moves locations or something, and that's like a perfect example. You get in the car and you automatically start driving to the old office and you don't realize it until you're halfway there. 
That's because your brain executed the, the original program. It never can delete a program. It can only write a new one. So sometimes it gets confused and likes to, to reference back. Um, so there's a guy who wrote a book um, called The Power of Habits. Um, his name is Charles Duhigg, and he wrote about this. I highly recommend this book. Um, it explains like a ton about habit building. He has a lot of examples. Um, but he talks about this. Um, he calls them habit loops, but essentially they're programs. Um, and we can utilize those things um, as, as leaders um, and in business as well. And we should be, because what happens is, is if we can create we could do those actions and behaviors every single day to create habits that we're doing in order to help us be more successful and we really build it into a habit then it makes it much easier to accomplish our goals um, every quarter or every year or whatever your goal timeline is that you're trying to accomplish because setting those things and habits means you're sure to get them done it kind of goes back to another thing i talk about is top 20 percent activities um, sometimes people call these high payoff activities. So it's that top 20% of all things you do every day that are, have the highest impact. So, and the reason I say 20%, so it's the, it's the Pareto principle. So the 20% the of activities account for 80% of your results. So if you can complete those 20%, then you are already way, way into your day. So if you can create habits surrounding those 20%, those things you definitely need to accomplish first every single day and build those into habits, you're far more likely to be more successful and accomplish more each day and each week, each month, each year, et cetera, um, than you are if you're just going at it every day and randomly doing things um, and trying to uh, accomplish things. But it'll make it much easier for you if you can build those things into habits. Um, and we should be teaching our employees to do this as well. I mean, when you have a team that works for you, it's going to benefit you in the long run because it's going to mean your team is more successful um, and is able to accomplish things more quickly, more efficiently, um, and in a better manner. So hopefully you get a better result overall, um, whether you're building a product or a process or whatever that might be. We've all experienced the New Year's resolutions and how hard it is to develop a good habit, how easy it is to lose habits, uh, and how kind of automatic they can become. And so let's look for ways to develop good, healthy, meaningful habits um, over time. Don't try to bite off more than we can chew. Just try to do a little bit here and there. Um, and, and I think a little bit goes a long way if we're just consistent. Consistency is the key to habit building and, and it's the consistency to building upon past experiences, growing and learning from them to move into a positive future. Uh, it's, that's it's not so it's not rocket science but it is really really hard to do because we're humans and we're flawed and we we don't always see things through and so um you know let's as leaders let's model that the best we can for our people um let's let's hold them accountable and help them and support them into do in doing the same thing in terms of of learning and growing creating a a growth mindset amongst our team and helping them to establish good meaningful goals and to develop meaningful habits to accomplish those goals, I think all of that will just lead to more effective teams, happier people that are more you know, productive and successful. Well, Darby, it has been a real pleasure. I note the time. I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. But before we close for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then where they can find your book. And then give us a final word on the topic for today. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can visit my website. It's beindispensable.com. And that has all the information about my book. And you can click on the links and order that. Also has all my social media links. I'm pretty much on everything, but I'm most active on LinkedIn. And you can just search for Darby Veneer and you'll find me. And I connect with most anybody um, on LinkedIn as well. Um, so that's uh, um, where you can find me at beindispensable.com. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the, the, the topic goes, though, um, definitely, like, like I said, um, just keep in mind, my final piece of advice is just remember that aspect of the fact that everything that we do every day is going to affect us later in life. Um, and everything your team has experienced throughout their life. So when they do something and you're like, why did they do it that way? Or why did they respond in that manner? The reason being is, is some experience that they have had in their career and in their life has caused them to do that. So try to be understanding and understand those things, um, ask the right questions and, and help coach them along. Um, and you'll hopefully all uh, continue to grow together um, in business and in, in life. So beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Darby. It's really been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Darby can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? 
Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.